the following you are about to hear may seem strange and bizarre, but it is our intention to bring you only documented proof. The general public is unaware of the fact that for the past 200 years, fires of revolution have been smoldering beneath the whole structure of civilization. In 1953, the California Senate Investigating Committee on Education released its 11th annual report. On pages 169 and 170 of that document, we find the following words, quote, so-called modern communism is apparently the same hypocritical and deadly world conspiracy to destroy civilization that was founded by the secret order of the Illuminati in Bavaria on May 1st, 1776. The recognition of May 1st, 1776 as the founding date of this world revolution conspiracy is not hard to understand when it is realized that May Day is frequently celebrated even in recent times by rioting and bloodshed on a worldwide scale. It was not until 1847 or 48 that the communist conspirators who had theretofore operated in secret came out into the open with the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, boldly proclaiming against practically everything upon which civilization is based, God, religion, the family, individual liberty, and so forth. The concluding paragraph on the manifesto reading, Communists scorn to hide their views and aims. They openly declare that their purpose can only be achieved by forcible overthrow of the whole existing social order. Let the ruling classes tremble at the prospect of a communist revolution. Proletarians have nothing to lose but their chains. They have a world to win. Proletarians of all lands unite. In issuing this manifesto, the communist conspirators evidently believed that time had arrived when, with the aid of ignorant victims, a worldwide takeover could be accomplished. But there were not enough ignorant victims to manipulate them, and the expectant coup failed. The conspirators thereupon conceived the plan for the future of supplementing the long-established secret conspiracy in existence since 1776 with an unremitting public campaign for victims among the ignorant of all nations and in an attempt to hide from view the underlying hypocritical conspiracy existing since may 1st 1776 it was decided that in such public campaign the manifesto of 1848 should be heralded as the founding date of communism and Karl Marx falsely proclaimed as its author. So wrote the elected members of this California State Senate Committee in 1953. Here and there, lone voices have been raised to alert the world to the imminent dangers from this satanic conspiracy of the forces of darkness. Their voices have largely gone unheeded, and even many leaders of the so-called anti-communist movement have failed to grasp the staggering realities of this conspiracy within the conspiracy.
one who saw the total picture was Commander William Guy Carr. This recording was taken from a speech delivered by Commander Carr in Chicago in 1958, a few months before his death. It was not Carr's intention to document the whole history of the Illuminati conspiracy in this speech, since a great many books had already been printed on the Illuminati, the World Revolutionary Movement, including his own books, Pawns in the Game, and Red Fog Over America. In this speech, Commander Carr sets forth the basic philosophical concepts behind the greatest mystery of all time, the revolutionary attempts to overthrow all governments and all religions in order to enslave the whole human race under a super one-world government ruled by a satanic despotism. As an official lecturer for the Royal Canadian Navy, Commander Carr constantly warned large audiences in the 30s about the world conspiracy and the forthcoming Second World War. During that time, he wrote seven best-selling novels. Some were selected to become part of the Royal Library, the Library of War Museum, and the Sir Millington Drake Library at Eton College, and the Braille Library for the Blind. Carr's most widely read book, Pawns in the Game, is considered by most historical experts of the Illuminati as the most comprehensively documented book ever published on the Illuminati. The sound on this recording is primitive due to the fact that it was placed on tape in a large meeting hall. However, despite the sound quality and other technical shortcomings, the facts contained in this speech are of such significance that it is reproduced exactly as it was given. Carr's speech will be interrupted occasionally by this narrator, who will insert salient comments on what Carr has said in order to highlight certain particularly significant parts of his message. This recording is not meant to entertain the listener. It is an historical recording of great importance about a conspiracy that has lasted for thousands of years. Numerous books have been written on the subject of the Illuminati, and it has been referred to by such men as George Washington, John Adams, and Abraham Lincoln. I would like to present to you a figure that has given much of his life for the welfare of humanity and to study the things that are going on in the world revolutionary movement. Our speaker this evening has a very wonderful way of presenting a message that is so badly needed, and I hope that each of you will listen uh, with open minds and forget all prejudices and all bigotry. We have nothing to gain by hatred, and our speaker will certainly give us the reasons for that. And so at this time, we're very happy and proud to present the Commander William Guy Carr. Madam Chairman, ladies and gentlemen, the inspiring words of the song that you have just sung parallel hours in Canada. 
every single candidate has got faith or queen. But all citizens of countries that we still speak of as being free are in the same boat. Unless we be doers of the word as well as hearers, unless we translate what we say into action, I'm afraid we are going to suffer the penalty of our indifference. We have the words of the Our Father. Everybody prays it. Many times a day, in some cases, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But what do we actually do towards establishing God's plan for the rule of creation and putting it into effect on this earth? If we had, during the last 2,000 years, put those words into effect, the Luciferian conspiracy could not have developed to where it is today in its semi-final stage. Adam, Louise Hoff, who is a doctor of canon law at Eaglestad University, revised and modernized the age-old conspiracy and then reorganized the Illuminati and organized the Grand Orient Lodges to be their secret hiding place. These brilliant-minded men consisted of men of all walks of life, scientists, military leaders, economists, educationalists, encyclopedias, and so on. That is where the word Illuminati is derived from. They are undoubtedly brilliant-minded men. And unfortunately, they have become so conceited, so swell-headed, that they actually believe that they know better than Almighty God how the universe should be ruled, and that is the struggle that's going on today. But if we start to finish revising the age-old conspiracy and modernizing it, on May 1st, 1776, he said that communism, Jacobinism, Nazism, world federalism, political Zionism, and any and all other organizations that had internationalism or one world government as their ultimate aim were to be organized financed, directed, and controlled by the members of the Illuminati. The Illuminati, down through the ages of time, have always made provision to elect and select those who are to succeed them from their own immediate entourage. They are children of well-bred families whom, because of the fact that they show exceptional mental achievement, are highly educated and thoroughly trained to serve the purpose of those that direct the 
World Revolutionary Movement. These youngsters, when they are going through college and university, don't realize why they are being charged with grants and scholarships and all the rest. They become strongly attached to those that finance their education and then place them into exceptional needs remunerated positions, and it is useless to deny the fact that after these brilliant-minded young men have been educated under the tuition of men that represent themselves as one world, that they are fully qualified to act as specialists experts and advisors behind the scenes of our government. Thus it is through these men whom we term agentur that the governments of your country and mine since way back in history have been made or advised or pressured into accepting policies that have always ended in reoccurring wars and revolutions because the principle on which the Luciferian conspiracy is based is the ability to keep secret their plans and for the Illuminati and their agent tour to keep dividing the world's population into opposing camps in ever-increasing numbers so that they can be armed and after they are armed they are built up to more or less equal in strength we call that in military terms balance of power and after that has been done the Illuminati invariably produce the incident which will cause the opposing sides to fight and destroy each other, while those that foment the uh, wars and revolutions reap the financial benefits and sit back on the sidelines, patiently waiting for the day when all governments and religions will have been destroyed as world powers. Presidov said that when this point is reached, then, for the first time, they will make known to the masses the pure light of the true doctrine of Lucifer and impose it with satanic despotism. What Weishaupt said in the 1700s, the latter part of the 1700s, Pike, General Albert Pike, confirmed in the latter part of the 1800s. Pike, with the aid of Giuseppe Mazzini, worked out the military blueprint which would cause the world to be involved in wars and revolutions until, to use his own words, only two world powers remained, and those two were to be the people controlled by the leaders of atheistic communism and those that subscribed to the Christian religion. I know it is very hard for the average 
decent, clean-minded citizens to realize that such a devilish, and I use the word advisedly, diabolical plot has been in operation. But the scriptures, the Old Testament, is nothing more or less than the history of that conspiracy of the Luciferian forces to prevent the human race establishing God's plan for the rule of creation, putting it in effect on this earth. Christ himself came to show us what must be done if we were going to halt that conspiracy on this earth, as St. Michael halted it in heaven. He told us who were directing that conspiracy. He said that it is they of the synagogue of Satan. He said they are sons of the devil, Lucifer, whose lusts they will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He knows not the truth, for the truth is not in him. When asked, who are these men? He said, them that call themselves Jews, but are not and do mine. The devil whole plan is to use cunning and deceit. That is why our Heavenly Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, told us that He was the Father of us. And they would make any statements and justify the telling of a deliberate lie, providing it moves their conspiracy towards its final goal. Mazzini, Gassipi Mazzini, an Italian. If you look in your encyclopedias, you will find him eulogized as a great Italian patriot. That is how the Asians who direct this conspiracy deceive the people into believing what is a direct lie. Giuseppe Mazzini was the director of the World Revolutionary Movement and Callahan was appointed as the director of the whole World Revolutionary Movement in 1834. After the French Revolution had, was over and the American situation here was in turmoil, Mazzini came to America and he consulted with General Albert Pike, who was disgruntled because his Indian auxiliary troops had been disbanded on the charge that they had committed atrocities under the cloak of legitimate war. Therefore, Pike became an alone, and he built a house in Little Rock with 13 rooms in 1840. And it was in that house where he worked to perfect the military blueprint of wars and revolutions that would bring Weishaus' plan to its final stage. The blueprint called, first of all, for the putting into effect of Weishaupt's plan to create international atheistic communists. And then 
use it as the Illuminati's destructive force to help them destroy all existing governments and religions. I know it hurts when the truth of history reveals that men who have been built up by false propaganda into national heroes have proved to be Peter Clay. But what is true of some of your statesmen and politicians in the past is equally true of ours in Canada and those of Britain. Since the turn of the 19th century, since 1801, there has hardly been a prime minister in England or Canada or a president in this United States, with the exception of Lincoln, who wasn't under the control of the Illuminati. I explained briefly this afternoon how Weishaupt's plan was made known by an act of God. The German author, Zwack, Z-W-A-C-K, had laboriously put these revised protocols together and so that they would be safe and to guard against all being destroyed at one time. The copies of this document were placed in different parts of the world. I explained that Professor John Robinson, Professor of Human Psychology at Edinburgh University and Secretary of the Royal Society, when touring Germany and visiting the University of Frankfurt and Ingolstadt, had been asked to guard a copy of the secret document. He was not informed as to their nature, but he did place them in safekeeping. And after the plot had been revealed by the act of God, and the Bavarian government had published the horrible details of this international plot, Professor Robert Robinson unlocked this strong box in which he had kept them and found that the documents he had confirmed everything that the Bavarian government published in 1786. I told you that while West Os Courier was riding on horseback from Frankfurt to Paris with a copy of this precious document, infamous document, for the information of those Illuminists and Jacobins who had been entrusted with developing the French Revolution, which was scheduled to break out in 1789, Almighty God struck him dead as he rode through the village of Rathesburg. The courier was struck by lightning. And the Bavarian police found this document on the courier's body. Realizing its importance, the serious nature of it, they turned it over to the Bavarian government, who in turn had the police raid all West Australian Orient lodges and the homes of those who were known to be connected with him in the order and sect of the Illuminati. The evidence thus obtained confirmed 
the document as being genuine, and it was published in 1786 under the title, The Original Writings of the Order and Sect of the Illuminati. Copies of this document were sent to the heads of church and state throughout Europe. But such was the power of those experts, specialists, and advisors who had been infiltrated behind the scenes of government that they persuaded the crowned heads of Europe and the heads of church to ignore the warnings by telling them that it was part of a huge hoax and if they took any notice of it, they would be brought into ridicule. When this plot was discovered, the Bavarian government closed the lodges of the Grand Orient, outlawed Professor Weishaupt, and disbanded the Illuminati. And with the devilish cunning with which they are inspired, Weishaupt pretended that the plot had come to an end and that he had become reconciled with God. But the word God can apply equally to Lucifer as it does to the supreme being that we worship. And that is why people are continually being deceived by the double talk of these people. So when the pressure had been put on the Illuminati in Europe, Thomas Jefferson, who was one of Weishaupt's great admirers, transferred the direction of the plot from Europe to America. I know that that's hard to take, but remember, we cannot judge Jefferson or any of those with whom he became associated. He may honestly have believed that only a one world government would bring an end to continuing wars and revolutions. Or he may, and only he and his maker would, have become a member of the order and sect of the Illuminati. It would appear that the latter is what happened as 1789, Professor Robinson, whom I referred to before, published a book entitled Truth of a Conspiracy to Destroy All Governments and Religions. And in that book, and there are copies of the book right here in the United States at the present time, Kirby Garden. This book has recently been reprinted and is included in the book list on the back of this record. John Robinson, who was himself a high-degree Mason, considered it was his duty to expose the Illuminati and their secret intentions, and he risked his life to publish that documentary. So in 1789, he gave warning that the Illuminati had infiltrated into Masonic lodges in the United States and had created a secret society within a secret society. Now, let it be clearly understood that I am not making any charges whatsoever against 
the Islamic orders of the Scottish, the Blue Rites, or anybody else, because I know only too well that it is a rare occasion if even a 32nd or 33rd degree Mason suspects that higher than that is the secret power that infiltrated into their organization. Now, to give you some additional proof to show how these conspiracies work, on July the 19th, 1798, David A. Tappan, president of Harvard University, warned the graduating class regarding the influence Illuminism was having in American politics and religion. Thanksgiving Day, as the next year, 1789, Jedi Morse preached against Illuminism. He warned his congregation and the people of the United States that the Illuminists cover their due purpose by infiltrating into Masonic lodges and hiding their subversive acts and intentions under the cloak of philanthropy. In 1799, John Cousins exposed the fact that the Luminous in New England were indefatigably engaged in destroying religion and government in America in undersigned regard for their safety. In 1800, John Quincy Adams opposed Jefferson to the presidency of the United States. Adams had organized the New England Masonic Lodges. He wrote three letters to Colonel William L. Stone exposing Jefferson's subversive activities. The letters referred to are, or were, on exhibition in the Rittenhouse Square Library of Philadelphia only a few months ago. They are credited with having enabled John Quincy Adams winning the presidency. In 1826, Captain William Morgan took it upon himself to inform all other nations how and why the Illuminati were using their lodges for subversive purposes. The Illuminati delegated one of their members, Richard Howard, to execute Morgan as a dream. Morgan tried to escape to Canada, but was captured at the border and murdered. Richard Howard reports to a meeting of the Knights Templars in St. John's Hall, New York, how he had executed Morgan. Arrangements, according to Elaine, were then made to ship Howard back to Liverpool in England, and the incident caused such indignation on the part of the Masonic fraternity that their records prove that as a result of this incident, thousands of Masons seceded from the northern jurisdiction. Since I published that in last issue's News Behind the News, the grandson of one of the men that led that revolt in some way got hold of a copy and he went to the trouble of sending me copies of the minutes that his grandfather had taken, or his great-grandfather had taken, at the meetings that dealt with that very subject so that I would have additional evidence of the truth of what I'm telling you. In 1829, I just tell you these things because it shows how this conspiracy moves year by year and right up to the present day. In 1829, an English illuminist named Fanny Wright. You might wonder the person of the female sex being mixed up in this thing, but the Grand Orient Lodges and the Lodges of the Councils of the New and Reformed Palladium Rites organized what they call Councils of Adoption. 
that is the female organization that work hand in glove with the Illuminati. This woman lectured to selected groups of Illuminists in the new Masonic Temple, which has been built in New York. She explained the Luciferian ideology regarding free love and sexual liberty. She also informed the American Illuminists it was intended to organize atheistic communism for the purpose of furthering their own secret plans and ambitions. Among those who were delegated to put this phase of the conspiracy into effect was Clinton Roosevelt, Horace Greeley, and Charles Dada. Nobody had ever heard the word communism used generally in that date. As a matter of fact, the word communism was not put into common use until after Lenin and Trotsky usurped power in 17 from the Mensheviks who had fought the Russian Revolution. It was only then that the word communism became into common use. I want you to mark these things very carefully. In 1841, Clinton Roosevelt published a book called The Science of Government Founded in Natural Law. That book embodies Weissop's pattern of a one-world UN-type dictatorship. Clinton Roosevelt was a direct ancestor of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Roosevelt, Greeley, and Dad organized the local party in 1834 to cover the real purpose. They organized the first labor movement in the United States the following year and then covered their activities under the name of the Whig Party. And the money that they raised by these activities was used to finance none other than Karl Marx to write the Communist Manifesto and that capital in Seoul, London, England. Karl Marx was the nephew of a Jewish rabbi, but he defected from Judaism. He was baptized into the Christian religion, and he was a hater of the Jews. He was no more an atheist than what I am. But he wrote that document so that he could get people who had lost their faith to join the Communist Party and allow themselves to be used to further the secret plans of the Illuminati. While Karl Marx and Engels were writing the Communist Manifesto, a German professor of the name of Karl Ritter of Frankfurt University was actually employed by the Illuminists writing the antithesis of the Communist ideology so that the Communist Party and the anti-Communist Party could be used to divide the world's population into opposing camps and bring about World War One. Professor Karl Ryder was succeeded after his death by Nietzsche, who completed his work. As early as 1776, Russia had been designated as the empire which was to be destroyed and turned into the stronghold of atheistic guns. But the historians that teach in your universities and in your colleges don't say anything about that. What 
I'm telling you are historical facts. I'm not giving you my own opinion. They can be checked in your national archives in the British Museum of London, England, and in the Vatican libraries and have been checked. When Giuseppe Mazzini was brought in contact with Pike, the two worked on this military plan to divide the countries of the world in opposing camps. And World War I was to be used to enable them to overthrow the powers of the Tsar and turn Russia into the stronghold of atheists to come. In 1887, Pike and Lemmy, who had succeeded, Mazzini as the director of the World Revolutionary Movement, Lenin succeeded Lemmy, decided that political Zionism was to be organized by Herzl and then used for two purposes. First of all, to create the state of Israel, and secondly, to enable the Illuminati to foment World War III using the differences between the Israeli and the Arab Mohammedans to serve that purpose. The plot also required that after World War I had turned Russia into the stronghold of atheistic communism, communism was to be built up in strength by the leaders of our so-called democratic countries until it equaled in strength in every respect the united Christian world, and then it was to be contained. And it was to be contained until the last, everybody considers that communism is the movement by the neighboring masses to destroy capitalism. Nothing could be more ridiculous. The Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks were used to permit and fight for the revolution in Russia in 1905 and 1916. But all the time over in the background were these Illuminists who had chosen Lenin and Trotsky to lead the movement to usurp the powers of government in Russia just as soon as the moment was ripe. Now in 1916, the international bankers of Britain, the United States, Germany, Sweden, and France met in Stockholm for the purpose of deciding the final details of the Russian Revolution, and they were joined by Henry Ford. Henry Ford, who originally wrote a series of books exposing the Illuminati conspiracy, was himself duped into going along with them. The Ford Foundation has since carried out many of the stated goals of the conspirators under the beneficent hand of Henry Ford II, whose father never dreamed that his own fortune would be used to advance the cause of his worst enemy. Who went over under the gave the world the impression that he sailed in that famous fish? 
But just the second kind of peace, we know that the communists today are talking peace, but that they mean the peace that will be had when all other opposing forces have been destroyed. The average communist doesn't know that he also is to be destroyed in the final phase of the conspiracy. And it was by making these facts known to the leaders of the Communist Party in Canada that we split the Communist Party right down the middle in 1957. We supplied them with copies of a letter that Albert Pike had written to Mazzini on August the 15th. 1871, the year before Mazzini died, and that exposed the whole diabolical aspect of the, that aspect of the conspiracy. Lenin and Trotsky were not atheists. Lenin had been initiated in the Orphan sect of the Illuminati of Switzerland, where Trotsky was initiated, I am not familiar, but this will shock British intelligence knew exactly what was being planned, and so did your American intelligence officers, because they reported all the details of this secret meeting in Stockholm to their governments, just the same as I reported that secret meeting that happened on St. Simon's Island February the 14th this last year. No notice was taken. The powers behind the scenes of government are too strong to even allow your government, which you so proudly say is of the people, for the people, by the people. And ours is just the same. But the fact remains that they deposited $50 million to the credit of Trotsky in the Bank of Sweden. And while that was being done, Lenin was being given safe conduct from Switzerland to Russia with 38 top-level revolutionary readers in a private car supplied by the high command of the German government. And that movement from Switzerland to Germany of Lenin and his party was organized by the brother of Paul Warburg who drafted your Federal Reserve legislation in 1910 and had it put into effect in 1913. His brother was chief of the German intelligence staff and negotiated the transfer of Lenin and these top-ranking aluminous into Russia. Now, Trotsky was building up his group of revolutionary leaders on the east side of New York and when he sailed from New York to Sweden, British Navy intercepted the vessel and took Trotsky and his fellow revolutionary leaders off the vessel, landed them at Halifax and confined them in the emigration sheds and put them under the guard of the Northwest Mountain Police. They were known that day. But that didn't suit those that are directing the world revolutionary movement. Mackenzie King, William Lyons Mackenzie King, who had been educated and trained as a member of the Illuminati because his father had been a revolutionary leader in Canada, 
and brilliant, cold-blooded, professional politician became Minister of Labor in Canada in 1907. He was doing the work of the international conspirators as far back as that day. When World War I broke out, or was about to break out, Mackenzie King retired from the Canadian government and took the position as head of the Rocky Fellow Department of Public Relations. Now, when we had captured Trotsky and his fellow conspirators, and they had been placed in detention in Halifax, Mackenzie King was sent by the Rocky Fellows to Ottawa, and he issued the ultimatum that unless those men were not only released but given safe conduct to Sweden, the United States would cut off all financial and other aid to Britain and France. President Woodrow Wilson, who said time and time again, I will not let our boys die on foreign soil, was a stooge of Colonel Edward Mandel House, an errand boy for the hierarchy of the Illuminati in America, the Rockefellers, Bernard Baruch, Jacob Schiff, etc. Wilson wired the British government demanding that Trotsky and his men be released, or the United States could not enter World War I as agreed upon. So, to prevent defeat, we took the lesser of two evils, and Trotsky was put on board another ship, and we had the humility of escorting that man to the entrance of the Baltic Sea. These are the things that of international intrigue that's going on all the time, and you're not allowed to know a thing about it. As soon as the war was over, as you will, I'm not going to go into all the details of the Russian Revolution, but you know that Trotsky and Lenin did take over the powers of government in Russia. Now, the normal people talk about 98% of those men went with Lenin and Trotsky into Russia to usurp the powers of government being used. That's a perfectly correct statement if we use the word Jew as it is generally used. But remember this. They entered Russia in the August and September of 1916. When Lenin died in 1924, there was not a single member of the first international of the Communist Party left alive or out of action, except one or two who were initiated as members of the Illuminati. All the others, after they served their purpose, were liquidated, as happens to everybody that serves the Illuminati, whether they do it or not. As soon as they have served their purpose, they're wiped out with a little compunction that you and I would swap by. Now, the Nazism, as has been founded by Professor Carl Witter, the same year, 1848, that Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, had to be used to prevent World War II for the purpose of destroying the German Empire and reducing the strength of the British Empire so it was no longer a world war. And we know that that is exactly what happened. 
But according to the fact that and this overall revolutionary blueprint, it also had to be used so that the political Zionist party would be given a sovereign state in Palestine where the differences between political Zionism and the Arabs would, would and could be used to prevent World War III. The Treaty of Marseille was deliberately written in such a manner that it facilitated those who were directing the world revolutionary movement of starting World War II when they thought the time was right. You'll find all kinds of documentation in there, secret messages passing between the heads of your government and ours. And let me tell you this, some friends of mine, high-ranking British officers, and some of your own countrymen, did everything within their powers to try and prevent World War II breaking up. They knew the details of this conspiracy as I'm explaining it to you. They went to Prime Minister Chamberlain and they told him that if he allowed World War II to break out into a hot and shooting war, that it would be continued until Britain had been destroyed as a world power. They even convinced Chamberlain of the truth of their statements. And that is why he went to Munich and came back with his umbrella and the piece of paper saying peace in our time. But then Chamberlain was maneuvered into a position where he had to declare war to keep the promise to the Polish people over the Carlisle incident. If you know that the first months of that war, we referred to it as a phony war. Chamberlain and the Premier of France had agreed that they would not bomb any German targets other than strictly military targets. That didn't fit these bloodthirsty international gangsters. That was too slow. So they gave orders that Chamberlain had to be got rid of. And Chamberlain didn't know what to do. He told Commander Ramsey, a very highly decorated officer in army intelligence, and a man who was a member of parliament for people here in Scotland, he said, if you will only get me back the evidence of what is going on behind the scenes, he said, I will put a stop to this war. Ramsey approached the man in the American embassy. And he told him, if you will only give me copies of the secret correspondence and signals that was passing between Churchill and Roosevelt, and let me have them just long enough to show the Prime Minister, he says, we'll end this war. And that clerk, that cipher clerk, did as requested in the hope that by so doing he could prevent World War II being developed into the Holocaust that it was. That man was Tyler Kemp. That sealed not only Chamberlain's fate, but it sealed the fate of all those patriots who were working 
in close cooperation with Captain Ramsey. And the powers behind the government consisted of the being an election. Churchill was elected Prime Minister. On February 8, 1920, Sir Winston Churchill, before his forced acceptance in the Illuminati, wrote an article that was carried in the Illustrated Sunday Herald. From the days of Spartacus, Weissopt to those of Karl Marx, he wrote, to those of Trotsky, Russia, Bela Kuhn, Hungary, Rosa Luxemburg, Germany, and Emma Goldman, the United States, this worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstitution of society on the basis of arrested development of envious benevolence and impossible equality has been steadily growing. It played a definitely recognizable role in the tragedy of the French Revolution. It has been the mainspring of every subversive movement during the 19th century. And now at last, this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped the Russian people by the hair of their heads and have become practically the undisputed masters of that enormous empire. The 12 o'clock of the day, on May the 12th, that he was elected prime minister, he gave the Royal Air Force orders that they were to bomb open towns and cities in Germany that night. At midnight, he broke the previous prime minister's promise with the French president that would not do that. At midnight, on that same day, he had the secret police that nobody knew were even in existence in England. Raised the homes of about 400 and some odd patriots, including admirals of the British Navy, and they took them and their wives out of their beds in the middle of the night and locked them up in the Brixton prison without a charge or opportunity for trial, and they kept them there for four and a half years. I'm not telling you a very thing. I'm quoting a historical fact. The people of England have never been allowed to know that yet, and yet I have admirals, a very powerful, with whom I am in constant correspondence. And I served with his brother in the First World War on the same ship. And I know every detail that everything would happen about that. Admiral Donald was one of the finest and most capable British admirals that our country produced. He was the greatest fighting admiral that we had in the First World War. He fought and won more engagements in and around the fighters of Heligoland than any other British admiral. He was four times decorated by the king with the highest honors that could be conferred on him. And after the war, he was put in charge of all naval establishments and then made director of naval intelligence. Admiral Donald told me that he was 58 years of age before he began to suspect that the secret power that seemed to be able to cause our governments to adopt policies that led to their own destruction was the Illuminati. After World War II had served its purpose, and Nazism had been used to serve the purpose of the Illuminati, those who had directed the war 
On the German side, were ordered liquidated. But soon, it would be made look legal and nice. We had the Nuremberg trials, where they were legally murdered. Now, anybody that served in a high-ranking position in your Navy, the Canadian Navy, the British Navy, knows that we have to obey orders. And those orders are given by the politicians, the civilians. Admiral Bacon, one of our British admirals, had the courage to write to Mr. Churchill in the First World War and said, Sir, fighting the enemy is a pleasure. Fighting your you politicians is the headache a man could inflict on himself. That was what Admiral Bacon, who was one of these gruff old fellows, and he didn't give a compliment because for all the politicians this time of hate him. And he wrote that to Mr. Churchill. Now, as a result of the Second World War, the United Nations just one more step towards a one-world government. Your government gave recognition to Soviet Russia and was quickly followed by Britain. If you remember, the Bolsheviks became so powerful due to the aid we had given them that we had to fight a war of containment in 1919, 1920, and 1921. The conditions under which we fought the Bolsheviks was exactly the same as the conditions your troops and ours fought in Korea this last war. We were never allowed to give them a darn good licking as soon as we just pushed them back and got them into where they where they were contained, then we had to stop. We weren't allowed to deliver the knockout. Bolshevism, or as we know it today, international communism could have been absolutely wiped out in Russia between 1919 and 1921. But that wasn't in accordance with Weishaupt's or Pike's plan. That plan said it had to be built up until it equaled in strength the whole of United Christendom. Now, is there any person in this audience can deny that during World War II, international communism was not built up until it equaled in strength the whole of United Christendom? What about Yalta, Tehran, Constant? Stalin took all the offered and asked for more. And because it suited the purpose of those directing international entry at the top, he got all he asked for. And those that were working with him, the three big men, Lord Stalin was playing along with. I think history will prove that Stalin went so far as to agree that FDR would be the first king despot. And when he double crossed FDR after Yalta, that was the end of FDR. You want to add some of your own intelligence officers of this bill? Now, thank God I never took the oath. I'd been working in intelligence work since way back in 1912. 
And on every occasion that I was brought into the intelligence department, I beg on taking the oath and because there was no difference of opinion between my senior officers, Admiral S.S. Jones, and these other admirals I mentioned, they never required me to take the oath. That's the only thing that let my tongue loose so I could speak. If you belong to intelligence to the FBI or the Royal Navy Mountain Police, you are not allowed to divulge. I never asked them for any information. Working with a small, tight-knit group, we gave them all the information that came into our hands. But I was so close to intelligence, that is the direct intelligence, that I had my own heart in the intelligence department at Osborne, and I had one sonographer delegated to do all my typing, and my wife and I are godfather and godmother to one officer who was director of naval intelligence for a period of five years, and another man who is our highest ranking intelligence officer, he and his wife are godfathers and godmothers on my so we'd be pretty close to this then. I've had the pleasure being the guest in the homes of nearly all these men I'm talking, and I've had the opportunity of discussing different things. They are not in the habit of volunteering information, but if you ask them a direct question, all you have to do is look into their eyes. As I told the head commissioner of the mounted police when we were having a conference one day, he says, you know, I can't talk. No, but I says, you're a darn poor poker player, because after I ask you a question, all I have to do is to look in your eyes and I can see the answer just glaring at me. Well, the progress towards the one world government has to be quickened, so the League of Nations was transferred to the United Nations. Now, going back to where I began my story and told you that this world revolutionary movement started in the celestial world when Lucifer challenged the right to Almighty God to be the supreme authority on the grounds that his plan for the rule of the universe was weak and impractical because it was based on the premise that lesser beings could be taught to know him, love him, and serve him out of respect for his infinite perfections. I told him that the Luciferian plan was to ensure peace and law and order by the enforcement of a totalitarian dictatorship enforced by absolute lessons. That theory is what is being put into force here today. The people that we're so proud to say govern the country are not going to have any say unless we educate and make them understand that we are in the semi-final stage of this. Now you say it's too late, because we have the words of our Lord Jesus Christ who told us that if we would go out and teach all nations the truth and the whole truth, knowledge of the truth would set us free from the bonds with which we are being bound by the Luciferian conspirators. This isn't a racial or religious or a political matter. Because in the final analysis, 
the satanic forces will divide those who survive the final social upheaval into just two classes. The brilliant-minded ones that have plotted and planned all this will be the rulers, and all the rest will be those that they enslave. It's an extraordinary thing, but the more you study all angles of this conspiracy, you find out that the brilliant-minded international gangsters that think out all the details of the various aspects of this conspiracy are financed by being awarded Nobel Prizes. Alfred Nobel was the inventor of dynamite that has killed more people in wartime than any other weapon ever invented. The Nobel Peace Prize has been won by such men as Linus Pauling and Martin Luther King. And the Peace Prize is an instrument used by the conspirators to carry on their work. Our Reverend Mr. What's his name? Uh, Methodist minister, he was given $45,000 to work inside the religious thing. Not long ago, Bertrand Russell was awarded the Nobel Prize for his book, The Impact of Science on Society. I know Ron Chisholm personally. He was the Minister of Health for Canada before he was appointed as Canada's Chief Delegate to the United Nations. He hadn't been very long in the United Nations when he was made president of the World Health Organization, which you know of by the three letters who, WHO. After he had put the internationalist brains of their ideas into actual practice within the World Health Organization, he then was made director and president of the United Nations Mental Health Organization. Ron Chisholm says there's only one way to use the human capital. He says reduce the whole lot to one common denominator. Interbreed them, mix them up, get one great big demoralized humanity and then put them under the yoke of absolute slavery and either you won't have any more wars through evolution. Well, that's sounds logic. If the ruling class consider they know that an almighty God how to rule the universe, get away with what they're working at, all the rest will be classified as going. And the word G-O-Y-I-N does not mean gentle. It means human cattle. That is the definition of that word. This clear word is confusing everyone. The whole diabolical plan is dependent on the agents of the Illuminati causing bigotry, hate, on religious, political, economic, any other major so they can get us divided and at each other's throats. I mentioned that when this conspiracy has developed to the final stage that it has to World War III, that the greatest social capitalism of the world
world of heavens is to be promoted by the Illuminati. I watched what was going on in certain areas of this world and where I couldn't observe the things personally better than I am and Pike had both said that those brilliant-minded international gangsters that were determined to enslave the lesser beings were to provide for their own safety and protection by establishing sanctuaries before each of the succeeding wars broke out. And that pattern has been maintained ever since the French Revolution, which broke out in 1789. In no revolution, in the French revolutions, and the Spain Revolution, the Spanish Revolutions, the German Revolutions, the British Revolutions, your American Revolutions, the Austrian, or any other revolution, has any of the members of the Illuminati or their families been harmed, nor has their confidence. They were always safely hidden away in sanctuaries. That is why Switzerland was the biggest sanctuary in the world. It was made a mutual country, so those directing both sides of the wars could meet and discuss how they would continue them or bring them to an end. With the advent of the atomic bomb, they just didn't know what to do, because before they could let the masses use atomic weapons and nerve gas to destroy themselves in still greater numbers, they had to know what part of the Earth's surface was safe from their own miserable hides. They couldn't afford to get contaminated with atomic fallout, or to be burnt with their gas, which means dead. So what did they do? After the two bombs were exploded on, on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, they started a series of appearing explosions all over the world. Britain, Soviet Russia, Australia, the United States, whose governments are all controlled from the top by these devils in human form. They popped off a bomb here, they popped off a bomb there, and they had their nuclear scientists all over the world measuring the atomic fallout. So they could find any possible places in which they could be perfectly safe while we were cutting each other's throats from year to year. It is not generally known. But Germany could have won World War II hands down. But they were not allowed. These Illuminati who were behind the government of Germany had strict instructions that the German Empire and the Nazi Party were to be destroyed. And I defy any member of the American High Command to deny this statement. The German army had sufficient nerve gas stockpiled two years before the war ended. 
to have wiped out the whole population of Britain, France, and the United States had they been allowed to use them. Now, nerve gas is the most lethal weapon. The satanic inspiration has enabled the mind of man to discover this. It is nothing more or less than the pure essence of chlorine gas. And it is so deadly and so devilish in its characteristics that if one single drop, even though it be highly diluted, comes in contact with the flesh of any living creature, it will travel along the nerve trunks and paralyze the breathing apparatus and thus cause death. There is only one antidote to that, and that is atrophy. But atrophy would have to be injected. Immediately the first strangling sensation was experienced, and you would have to keep injecting it until you could get out of the contaminated area and get further medical. The members of the armed forces of your country and mine are being equipped with atrophied outfits. But what about the civilian population? Now one of the devilish features of nerve gas is this. You can wipe out the population of Chicago or New York or any big Canadian city and not do one single dollar's worth of property damage. Now all this nonsense about the fear of atomic bombs is just getting the masses into a state of fear that they will all have caught and agree that it's essential to contain Russia or something else to have another world war. These men that have the wealth and the power in their hands and secretly administer that power behind the scenes of government are not going to destroy billions and billions of dollars worth of property when they can take over by using a few dollars worth of chlorine gas. They call it nerve gas because they figured it would interfere with their idea to promote fluoridation if the public got to know that nerve gas is nothing but the pure essence of chlorine gas and gaseous form. After studying the weather conditions that have prevailed over 50 years and studying the atomic fallout and the deposit, nerve gas deteriorates very quickly. 48 hours it loses its uh, deadly characteristics and an invading army can move into a place that has been trained in 48 hours. But there is a residue which collects in the clouds and is brought to earth the same as what the atomic fallout is by precipitation rain. Now, in 1955, the year that I was starting to publish these two books, the scientists had reached the conclusion that one part of the world that was safe was that area bounded by southern Florida, the islands of the Caribbean Sea, and the British West Indies. As soon as that was secretly known, 
unprecedented downpours of rain that released it and dropped it on the grass and the pasture. Um, I don't believe that because I know that they were frantically taking tests of Spanish pox and every other thing. I had doctors that I could rely on and they were watching all these tests and they just did not know what was to happen. The United Nations was taking up the matter of stopping a further atomic test because of this atomic fallout. That is what's going on in this world. Now, we started to show that the conditions which we experience today started in the supernatural world are conducted by men who are inspired by the satanic forces. Their purpose is to prevent us putting God's plan into operation so it will can be done here in heaven and what have you today in the United Nations. God has been kicked out of politics and the name of God is rarely used except as blasphemy or oath on the lips of foul-mouthed people. But the scriptures tell us that God is a jealous God. And I'm quite sad that he has taken measure of the satanic forces that work in this world and the feverish haste with which they are trying to bring their devilish plan into its final stage shows that they think time is running out. Now, it's all very well saying, well, don't worry, God will look after it. God has a habit of helping those who help themselves. He told us that if we were hearers of the word and not doers of the word, it was available as nothing. If the truth has been made known to us, it is our duty to pass that truth on to as many other human beings as possible. Because whether or not we can halt this devilish conspiracy before God has to intervene to save all flesh from being destroyed or not, by making the truth known to our neighbors, we can at least open their eyes and make them realize what is going on so they too can become the elect of Almighty God. That is the duty. We will not be judged according to the results that we achieve. We will be judged according to the amount of effort we put into serving His holy will during the term of our life on this earth. There is, ladies and gentlemen, you have a picture. Now, I just want to read this in conclusion. Albert Pike, on August the 15th, 1871, wrote a letter of instruction to Mazzini, telling him what I have told you, and his concluding paragraph reads as follows. We, the Illuminati, shall unleash 
the newest and atheist, and we should provoke a formidable social terrorism, which in all its horror would show clearly to the nations the effects of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody terms. Then everywhere, the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority or revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity, which will be from that moment without compass and direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, grown finally out in the public view, a manifestation which will result from the general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. The word God is used by these Luciferians just the same as we use the word God. On July the 14th, 1889, Pike had to correct the beliefs of some of his leaders in the new Palladian life who were Satan worshippers. So he wrote this letter of instruction. That which we must say to the masses, to the crowd, is we worship God. But it is the God that one adores without superstition. The Masonic religion should be by all of us initiates of the highest degrees, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. Now I want to repeat, Masons up to the 32nd and 33rd degree do not know about the details of this plot until recently, and therefore they cannot be blamed. In the original writings of the Order and Sect of the Illuminati, there are nine paragraphs that deal with how Freemasonry and other secret societies are to be wiped out after the Illuminati have been established their leader king despot of the world. So they don't uh, play any favor. Everybody except their own little clique are to be either wiped out or subjugated. Lenin said it didn't matter if 75% of the world's population was liquidated as long as they controlled the other 25%. Referring to this God, what we say to the crowd is we worship God. But it is the God that one adores without superstition. Let's skip the next part. Uh, the Masonic religion should be, by all of us initiated of the high degrees, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. If Lucifer were not God, with a donate whose deeds proved his cruelty, avidity, and hatred of men, barbarism, and repulsion to science, yes, Lucifer is God, and unfortunately, Adani is God also. For the eternal law is that there is no light without shade, no beauty without ugliness, no white without black. For the absolute can only exist as two gods. Thus the doctrine of Satanism is a heresy, and the true and pure religion is belief in Lucifer, the equal of Adani, but Lucifer, God of light, God of good. 
is struggling for humanity against Adani, the god of darkness, and evil. Now, the word Adani is used to identify God by the Luciferian creed when it is being exemplified in the higher degrees of the Grand Orient Lodges and uh, those of the New and Reformed Ladies' Rights. There is a picture. I maintain that if the public can be educated to know the truth, public opinion can become such a force that it will become a greater power on this earth than any atomic weapon developed state. The only thing that those who found their dark places and their secret hiding fear is the truth. They fear the truth and only the truth. Some of their greatest leaders have said that if one man penetrates the secret and makes it known their plans could be set back 3,000 years or destroyed completely. All we have to do is carry out the mandate given to us by Almighty God. If we don't, we'll all, Americans, Canadians, British, and all those that call ourselves free, will find ourselves in the same pot being stirred up in a beautiful, delicious devil's brew. And those themes will reduce us to one common mass of mongrelized humanity by the application on an international scale of artificial insemination. Bertrand Russell, on page 49, 50, and 51 of his Nobel Prize-winning book, the impact of science on society says that less than 30% of the females will be selected for breeding purposes and less than 5% of the males. And the breeding will be the same as on a stock farm. It will be strictly limited and selected to fill the requirements of the state. That's what that's what is at the back of this integration and all the rest of it. They completely cover and disguise their foul intentions by putting a whole lot of little targets up so that we point our rifles and sight on those little targets and blaze away. And they don't care how many thousand rounds of ammunition we shoot at the targets they stick up as long as they are safe behind the bus and we're not hurting them. Now let's get wakened up. For heaven's sake, we sacrificed nearly 30 million human lives in World War One and Two, in the honest belief that we were fighting for our king and our country or God and our country. And if we were willing to risk our lives on the battlefield or on the seas or in the air, Surely, to goodness, the courage of the early martyrs hasn't disappeared completely. What are we afraid of? What's causing it? And those that are supposed to be leading us, particularly those in religion, why are we not told the whole truth so that we can use the intelligence that God gave us and decide as He intends us to do? Whether we accept his plan and obey his law or literally go to the devil. 